Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap. Because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout. And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane back to reality. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your travel experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie. And we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 949. It has a nice palindromic symmetry to that episode number that is very satisfying to my brain. Um, I'm going to be performing at uh, Comedy on State in Madison, Wisconsin at the end of April, so uh, check out info for that. Mike Furman and April Richardson are going to be there with me. And then in May, I'm going to be doing Red Nose Day on, uh, on NBC, so I'm very excited about that as well. Those are my things that I'm promoting, Katie. Oh, and also, uh, Will Wheaton and I made Gift GIF shirts. Oh, nice. If you go to ID10T.com. <laughs> Uh, it does help to support this podcast. Um, it says on the front, it's sort of an athletic shirt. It says it's pronounced and it says GIF. And you can buy either hard G or soft G on the back, whichever team um... that you were. The last time I checked, you know, Will and I had like a two hour Facebook Live uh, kind of debate mm-hmm. the other day. And soft G started out strong, but then team hard G came in hard. I think I say GIF. Yeah, me too. Because yeah. that's the right way to say it. Yeah. In my I think, opinion. I think I've said it like both ways. Well, though. the other way is wrong. But you can say <laughs> it, you know, whatever. You can say it however you want. But uh, now in t-shirt form, you can really make a stand if you go to ID10T.com. And we also have official Talking Dead mugs there, some pins, and some other Walking Dead t-shirt stuff there. So uh, go there, check it out, support the podcast. And uh, Katie, what you got on the corkboard? Rob Rudolph writes, the theater I manage, the Broad Stage in Santa Monica, is hosting an event called Wait, Wait, Don't Kill Me on Friday, April 27th at 8 p.m. It's a star-studded event to raise awareness and support for shelter animals featuring Lily Tomlin, June Diane Raphael, Whitney Cummings, Casey Wilson, Craig Ferguson, and Paul Shear is hosting it. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I think it's something ID10T listeners would love. You can find more info and buy tickets at bit.ly, that's L-Y, slash wait, wait, don't kill me. And then Will writes, uh, I wanted to give a shout out for my buddy Wes's commission miniature painting studio, Stiff Neck Studio. Wes just finished his MBA, is an active duty major in the army and paints gorgeous minis on the side. His studio is mostly veterans and active duty military. They're really cool guys that do great work painting anything from war games to RPG minis and they've won multiple painting awards. They're going to be leading painting tutorials at Nova Open in Washington, D.C., August 30th to September 2nd. The registration is happening now, so uh, go Google that and find info on how to register. The fees only cover the cost of supplies and the mini you will paint. Or you can check out their stuff on Instagram and Facebook at Stiff Neck Studio or on stiffneckstudio.com. Fantastic. Uh, this episode is my buddy Joe Manganello, who, if you remember um, one of the last times he was on the podcast... We came up with a very good Macho Man Randy Savage idea for a movie. Yep. Savage, uh, <laughs> he does a phenomenal Macho Man voice. But uh, but I love Joe. Joe is uh, Joe's one of those guys who is um, 
he basically is a, a a tiny nerd in a <laughs> in a chiseled titan's body, um, but he's a big D and D guy, yep. and uh, also uh, he and I have sobriety in common, and so um, he's just a he's just a solid dude, and he does a lot. He's doing a lot of great stuff. He's uh, going to be Deathstroke. Uh, he's in the movie Rampage right now, which is uh, with The Rock. That is out April thirteenth, and it's uh, based in the video game, which I have. Down in our basement, I have. Well, I mean, I have a, you know, I I, I basically have um, like the you know, arcade one game, multi cades yeah. that has like a thousand games on there, and Rampage is on there. So I I took a screen cap of the <laughs> Rampage of the Rampage game, and I sent it to him. I'm like, your movie looks great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, but I love Joe, and he was a, he's always a phenomenal guest, and um, and just a super nice guy. So Joe Manganello, look him up. Whatever. If he writes a book, buy it. If he's appearing somewhere, go there. If you have a chance to play D&D with him, do it. Um, this episode brought to you by Mattress Firm. So this is a question for all the, hey, I'm going to listen to a podcast to help me fall asleep people. Uh, if you're struggling to get some sleep, then you are in luck. Because here's how you can zonk out more easily. Mattress Firm, America's neighborhood mattress store, lets you budget stretch further when you're looking for ways to improve your sleep, which I would imagine all of us are. If you have a very <laughs> active brain that's difficult to turn off, then maybe it's your mattress. Um, they're more than just mattress experts. They have a whole package that's going to help you transform your mattress into a bed. From adjustable bases and sheets to headboards and bedroom decor, they have you covered both literally and figuratively. So go to mattressfirm.com, see what deals are happening right now. Uh, they even give you a 120-night sleep trial to ensure a perfect sleep and 129 low price guarantee so you know you paid the perfect price again go to mattressfirm.com learn how your sleeping could be monumentally improved and if you're still awake um maybe we should uh, restart the podcast now <laughs> we'll just start it over so you can hear that again this episode also brought to you by buffalo wild wings former at midnight sponsor oh. buffalo wild wings um there's a new boss in town buffalo wild wings uh and this boss is a bacon boss it's the bacon boss burger featuring bacon three different ways and a blanket of white cheese sauce. And there are other new favorites like the smothered cheesesteak quesadilla, sweet chili shrimp, Alaska cod classic. Hurry in today. Try them uh, before they're gone at Buffalo Wild Wings. Available for a limited time while supplies last. Thank you to Mattress Firm and Buffalo Wild Wings for sponsoring this episode of the ID10T podcast number 949. The Joe Manganello three-peat. Katie. Roll the thing. Initiating ID10T protocol. Is obsessed with the Golden Girls? How old is he? He is 26. This pleases me greatly to hear that... <laughs> you are not alone? To hear that the young generation is super into the Golden Girls. Because it is fantastic. <laughs> this came up because... We're already recording. This came up because my oh, wife yeah. got me... Um, it's called Desert Rose. It is a Golden Girls-themed jalapeno sauce. And it has uh, Rose Nyland, a.k.a. Betty White, on the label. And then I guess I, I blew it. 
So M- Manolo's Christmas present is going to be this hot sauce, and I, I, I said that when I walked <laughs> in the room. So I just I just totally blew his Christmas present. Manolo, you're getting. He's not going to listen to this podcast. He's too busy yeah. watching the Golden Girls. He doesn't True. give a shit about. Yeah, what he's to... seen them all. Doesn't give a shit about what two older nerds are talking about. That's probably very true. Is he into all of the stuff that just so pe- just so people get a refresher course? Joe has been on the podcast three times, I think, and uh, and is and Talking Dead and Talking and Dead and the old BBC show and the BBC which show. I won. I won the the prize at the end. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I won. God damn it! And he's wearing a D and D shirt right that I, now. That I that I that I actually this is available on my website. <gasps> so I actually I I do D and D merch now. And this is um, I got a guy this graffiti artist named Urban Aztec. He's this cool dude named Jesse. Uh, he made uh, he made like a fiery gold dragon ampersand. We're trying to reimagine some of the D and D stuff and make cool stuff to wear. So anyway, yeah, this is this is my shirt. I would have. I'll bring. I'll get you one, please. I'm you now. One. You're you're probably larger than a size small, which is my t-shirt size, which means more shirts for you. <laughs> It was funny. I wish people could see. My, our, our, we're at recording at my house. Our house was built in 1928, and in the 20s, people were not uh, tall, and so Joe's had like to, down some stairways. Has had to crouch down. That must be the bane of your existence. No, I like it. You I like, like being giant. Yeah, right. it's like it's fun. It's like um, you know any sort of um, uh, ensemble. I'm like the giant barbarian. I guess that's guy. good because Jonah Ray is like six four, six five, and mm-hmm. he said he always felt self conscious because he always felt like, and he kind of shrugs his shoulders because he always feels like he has to yeah. crouch down. He doesn't want to appear big we, and scary. We, we 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 all do that. You talls like we, to do we that. All, us talls. Um, uh, but when I got to drama school, I, I had that hunch. I had the tall guy apologetic hunch, and to <laughs> to remedy that during freshman year at drama school. At, at Carnegie Mellon, they they made us go to the zoo, and everyone got to pick an animal, and then you were going to embody that animal, like physically make the sounds, the behaviors mm-hmm. for up to three and a half hours a day for seven weeks. Jesus Christ! Now it seems absurd. Now the other side of it was, and this is the boohoo. I'm going to play the victim here for a second, but uh, everyone else got to pick their animal. They gave me mine. It was I was a penguin. They gave oh, me a that's penguin. great because they have great posture. Great posture, so it straightened me up. And after that, it was like I'm going to take up as much space on stage as I possibly can. Like I'm never going to apologize. You do have amazing guy. posture, by the way. Thanks. Chris. It's really wow, that's enviable uh, posture. That's a really great compliment. Well, as a, as a, as a lifelong shrugger and someone who has fought the last <laughs> several years to roll my shoulders back, yeah. I, I always notice people's posture, and especially, you know, as you start to get older, it's not always that posture gets better, so it's, no. a, real, it's, it's a real treat when you see someone who actually has good posture. Might I suggest behaving like a penguin for the next seven, <laughs> seven <laughs> weeks? <laughs> Batman and Robin. <laughs> that, that's not the penguin, I should. Not the Burgess that's Meredith That's Burgess Meredith. That'll yeah. always be my penguin. He's... <laughs> Along with Caesar Romero with his whited out mustache. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, How is the D&D going? Are you, do you have a game currently? Are you playing right now? Do you want to play on Sunday? I can't play Sunday because I have Talking Dead. Ah, okay. My zombie show. But in a few weeks, I can come play on Sundays. When can you play? I'm I'm actually getting ready to start DMing a Tyranny of Dragons campaign. Jesus. If you want to jump in, level one, like we're just, we're going to rock. And you go. like DMing? 
I I do. I do enjoy. I DMing. never liked it. I DM'd as a kid. That's that was my thing. I just I kind of came came out of the D and D womb, if you will, DMing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and um, and so now I've uh, I, but I but I got back into it after like a twenty year hiatus as a player. Okay. Because I got to do you know Force Gray. Yes. And I got to test out all the new modules, and I got to do Critical Role. Yep. And uh, and all these other fun nerd poker. And uh, but but it, it, I think all roads were leading me back to to DMing. Did you ever play with Vin Diesel? Because he's a big D. D, D no. Too. And where does he play? I've sent messages to him through <laughs> through the proper channels. Like you know, we shared the same stylist. Like he had a stylist for like his Fast and the Furious camp, you know, press campaign, and right. then, and then I had the same stylist for I don't know whatever my last movie was, and. Um, and I and I was like, oh, you work with Vin. I'm like, can you just pass a message for me? Can you tell Vin <laughs> that uh, I'm ready? I'm ready to play D and D with him anytime. So we need to set up a Tinder, but yeah. for D and D, we'll call it like Beholder, like, and then you can swipe through. And swipe left D- yes. on Vin. You could you swipe uh, yeah. right on him, right? Swipe, is, I don't know. I don't I've never know. been I've on never Tinder, it, man. I just assume right yeah. is the. Can you have any idea? Is right the acceptance and left the rejection? I just know that traditionally left is the reject. You know. Oh well, then whatever, whatever it means, whatever the good one, whatever is. the good one is, you want to yeah. swipe. You probably want to swipe right on on Vin on Beholder with Fine. no e at the end, Beholder. Yeah, but I don't know. So I don't know who plays with him, where he plays. I don't. Know. I mean, this is like in search of. Remember that show with of Leonard Nimoy? Of course, I remember. They never found anything. No, no I mean, one knows if the Loch Ness monster really exists. Why did we just spend an hour watching this then? Yeah, um, and. Uh, it, and, and 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 so I I've been in search of of Vin Diesel. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to bug James Gunn about it because James, James has played at my house. Well, then James will have a line to Vin. But James has never played with Vin either. Vin our Groot. So I don't know. I keep hearing this Vin this this Vin D and D thing, and I I can't get to him. So if anyone's listening, we're going to find. No, don't go bother Vin Diesel. But <laughs> <laughs> we're going to listen. If you see Vin Diesel in public, just tell him that Hardwick and Manganiello are trying to track him down to jump in on a D and D game. That's yeah. all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we're 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 ready to go. Not, but ball. but not this Sunday. Like not, in, in like two Sundays. In a couple of Sundays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I, yeah. I think I'm I'm working on Sundays through for a bit, but uh, but I'll be able to hop in in the daytime. Do you play in the daytime or at night? Um, it's it's L.A. So you know, like the days of going till two in the morning, like everybody's got to get up. So <laughs> we got to start a little bit earlier. So I like usually if we could start about five, five's good. Five, five o'clock good. is five. You know, that way if we if we really want to go to midnight, we can. But five to five to eleven. To just to really complete the experience. Uh, I feel like your wife needs to come in and pretend to be our moms and to bring us sodas and be like, you guys don't stay up too late, okay? Um, Chris, yeah. that's exactly what happened. <laughs> you just described. when Whenever there's a D&D game going on, it's... How many people are coming over? What time are they coming? Okay, we have to set up the coffee sta- You know, the coffee table, there's like, there's like hors d'oeuvres. It's... I mean, so this past week, I had um, Luke Gygax, Gary Gygax's oh, wow. son... Uh, came over to DM an unpublished adventure of his father's that he found in, like, a trunk somewhere. What the fuck? Yeah. That's insane. It was crazy. God, was it? How was it? It was insane. We played, we played original D&D. We rolled 3D6 for all the ability scores all the way down. Whatever you roll is what you get. You know, you roll a 3, you get a 3. That's it. Tough. And you roll right. down, you pick your class, um, you kind of, like... 
kind of uh, haggle with the DM for magic items, and then you're off. And we we just did this this unpublished dungeon crawl that his father left behind in some chest that Luke found, studied, and then came the DM at my house, which is nuts. And so it was like I was kind of freaking out. It was like um, – you know, it was like Frank Sinatra getting ready for JFK to come visit him. Right. You know, it was like, okay, we've, you know, we've got to get ready. Do I have my 20-sided die over here? <laughs> Where's my bag of holding? <laughs> I'll punch you in the fucking mouth. <laughs> you roll a one in my group. <laughs> Dino, your charisma's off the charts. <laughs> <laughs> but we already knew that. <laughs> Sammy's playing a cleric. Sammy got a magic eye over here. <laughs> <laughs> the eye of Vecna. <laughs> <laughs> Rat Pack D and D has to be a sketch somewhere. Come on, somewhere, we yeah. Have to, I we mean, come on, this. yeah. Um, and so, uh, so he came over, and I had always kind of, I'd always called my basement, which, which you've seen. I've seen your basement. It's you've incredible. Seen, which, which, which has grown by leaps One and bounds. One side of your basement that. is this insane gym, and the other side is this insane dungeon. <laughs> yeah, it's the two of those things together <laughs> with like funny. dragon heads mounted yes, on the wall. And yes. so I have a new for my birthday. My wife. Um, she got in touch through Wizards of the Coast. She got in touch with Jeff Easley, who used to paint all of the players' manuals, players, oh the players' handbook, and the DMs guy back like in the '80s when we were growing up. <sighs> like all those covers that those are Jeff Easley's, and he painted a lot of the Dragonlance art. Anyway, she got Wizards the Connector to Jeff Easley and commissioned him to paint my character, an oil painting of my character, Holy shit, by Jeff Easley. Oh my god! So that's hanging. That's in the insane. It's, dude. It's 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 crazy. It's it's crazy to be that kid now. Me with you know with. But did your wife get you some Golden Girls Desert Rose Jalapeno sauce? I mean, the painting sounds great, Joe. But is it delicious on a taco? Is my question. We, we do we have we let's have let's order some tacos and find out. <laughs> let's do some jalapeno shots. In our Empire Strikes Back, yeah. Collectible. Do you want, do you want Darth Vader? Or do you want Lando? Oh, are you kidding? I want. Well, uh, Lando's cool. Lando's great. But I always wanted to be Vader. All right, here you go. Here's some, I'll pour some water in Darth here. Thanks. You're very welcome. Uh, Leave it to me. I will deal with it myself. Uh, <laughs> we have some coasters. Yeah, we got a little coasters here. Ooh, what is this, like an undead unicorn? Yeah, these are just some, you know, nice. random random fun nerd art things. Um, I mean, it is fun to be the um, grown-up man-children that we are and yeah. essentially doing everything we can to make the 13-year-old versions of ourselves happy. Well, that was the thing. I was having a, actually a conversation once with, with Donald Glover, and we were talking speaking about... Speaking of Lando. Speaking of Lando. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which is so <laughs> very apropos to what... Uh, but we were having this conversation, and it's like, you know, I was... We are talking about, I don't know, whatever, all the toys that we were into when we were kids. And when you were a kid, your parents would take you to Toys R Us. Mm-hmm. God rest their soul. Yes, R.I.P. R.I.P. Where the backwards are. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're quick. You're quick. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but they'd take you and they were like, okay, you get one thing. You get one toy. And you'd be like, oh, how about this giant thing? No, you get like one regular size. Right. Like one. That's it. 
And I was talking to Donald. We're like, and Donald was like, nah, man, like now, like I'm an adult. Like I've got all the money. <laughs> There's no one toy anymore. <laughs> I can buy everything, mm -hmm. which is what happens to me. I go online, I go into some crazy rabbit hole and lo and behold, I've found an original like LJN Toys Tiamat from the early 80s Dungeons right. and now it's being mailed to my house. And then the guy's like, oh, hey, man, I'm a big fan of True Blood or Deathstroke or whatever. And I threw in like a little War Duke mm -hmm. on the side. So it's amazing like how you just wind up collecting everything I wanted as a kid or even had as a kid. I have now. Yep. And my wife is stoked. <laughs> <laughs> By stoked, I mean... The opposite of the stuff. <laughs> well, we were talking about this before because I said, you know, Lydia and I both like the same stuff. And so some of our struggle is like we can't go too crazy because, you know, we don't we we don't want to run. We can't run out of room for the for the toys. I have checks and balances you at my house. Balances, you yeah. have no checks and balances <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> and your, your check and balance is uh, essentially getting yelled at in Spanish. Uh, <laughs> for, for buying another dragon. Yeah. yeah. But Lydia's, Lydia's peeking in. What? Yeah, no, I was going to say if it were up to me, I would cover every inch Florida field and give shit all over <laughs> 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 Okay, great. Hey, Lydia. I don't think she means literal shit, by the way. That'd would be weird. Would she hang out with my wife? Yes, of course she would. Can we double date <laughs> and try to get my wife on board? No, my no, then your wife's my wife gonna, is buying me Jeff Easley paintings. But like, then your wife's going to be like, I think those nerds are a bad influence on you, Joe. <laughs> I don't want you to hang out with them anymore. It's like the satanic panic of the 80s. Yes, yes, but, yes. Yeah, exactly the equivalent. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, what is she into? Like, is, is there a... She's into, like... Chopping and decorating, and like you got the Ferrari out there. We could do this. Oh, what? No, hey, okay, yeah, we can film this. We get TC in the helicopter. We do the Magnum. We could do the Magnum out there, dude. We could totally do this. We John Hillerman just like died not that long ago, though. I think Higgins, Higgins, yeah, who probably was Robin Masters. Maybe we've talked about that before. I think we have gotten. I think we have gone down that rabbit I think hole. Magnum. May have, I think weirdly we've talked about Magnum before when you've come up. We can. I. I really like somewhere. I really wanted to make a, a Michael Bay, like me, Magnum, Michael Bay, Hawaii cars, bikinis. It Let's would go. Be, it would be incredible. Listen, it, to to put to put like a big budget. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop style yes. uh, action comedy together with Magnum. Then the question is, how kitschy is it, or do you do it like you do? Do you do it like how they did? Um, like how serious do the characters take it in yeah. performance? Yeah, I think we could totally take it seriously. Is it set in the eighties, or is it like is it is it like refreshed for the two thousands? Or I do think you it's do modern day. Like for example, like and I know that like. Well, I guess Fletch is sort of Fletch is its own animal. Fletch was just Chevy Chase at that time, kind yeah. of running wild. But like, he was taking it pretty seriously, like to an extent. Like the, you know, like yeah. I guess it was goofy, but so I, I guess tonally, no, tonally, I think it's serious. I just think that like when you have the voiceover, like the noir voiceover, mm -hmm. and it's Thomas Magnum. Yep, I think it's. Uh, I think that's fun. But I think now. 
The only thing that concerns me is that you might be too like Magnum was in okay shape, mm-hmm. but he wasn't in like. Come months. on, Tom Selleck was like the heartthrob of the eighties. He was a heartthrob, but he was more of a hairy-chested guy than like a six-pack guy, right? Well, I, I and well, he got his ass kicked a lot. Okay, so you're you're <laughs> you're trying to talk me out of this. No, I'm just saying like you could you could bring a new Magnum. Because we've already we're, we've already yep. have on the table you as uh, as Savage. Oh, uh, when are we? As, yeah, is Macho has, Man has Matt Mira written the the treatment yet? No, he's 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 too busy going through IVF. But 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 eventually maybe <laughs> he is. Does the public know this? They do. He's done. Okay, got, he and his right, wife fine. have a whole podcast about fine. it. Fine. Okay. Fine. Yeah, yes. they, they they have a whole podcast about uh, <laughs> about their IVF. It's called Matt and Dory's Excellent Adventure, and they do they've literally cataloged the entire like year and a half long. Where process. have I been? I don't know. I don't know. But it's uh, but okay, just a little well, plug then, for that podcast but he uh, in the voice of jeremy piven and in, in singles uh, <laughs> matt mira but you may be busy you may be busy <laughs> <laughs> the only guy i knew that could mix elvis costello with public enemy beats 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 what's so funny about beats 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 yep that was uh that, that was that was old school that was that was uh Man. jeremy piven classic uh, as as we as we say, yeah. But yeah. I, you know what? I, I do think you could be a convincing Magnum, especially because I can already see that you could grow a fierce stash up there if you wanted oh, to. Oh yeah, I've got to keep this thing under daily control. <laughs> I feel like you shave, and then like a half a second later, you. you I think you have like a nine thirty a.m. shadow. Well, the the classic. Well, we're going to get into the facial hairs. Yes. Uh, we when I shot Spider Man back way back in. 2001 Flash Thompson Flash Thompson uh, I was 20 I had just turned 24 and Toby was Toby and James Franco were about that same age I think the only one that and one of the guys who played like Flash's crony number mm-hmm. one he was like 30 <laughs> and uh, in our field trip our teacher who was the you know on the field trip when we go to the planet you know the whatever the, the facility where he gets right. bit by the spider um that guy was like 28. So like one of the high school kids is older than our, our, our TA or our proctor or teacher or whatever. And, um, and they would come out three times a day to me and James and Toby and like with, with straight razors. And we like, it's time to shave again. That's so funny. So three times a day, we're like shaving to keep, so there's no five o'clock shadow. That's really funny. Yeah. That was, that's a little bit of 90210 syndrome there. <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> yeah. We were like the 902 version, which is what happens. It's like when you get cast in a high school movie, is it young or is it old? You right. know, like which way are you going? Well, cause it's, it's just, it's, it's easier to cast people who are not under 18 because you don't have to like there's a certain amount of schooling and a certain amount yeah of- yeah but the trick of that is like if you cast somebody of that age then parents are on set you've got like you have to do tutoring yep. then there's like weird hour requirements and also sometimes you just don't get the maturity i mean right. we kirsten dunst like what she was she nominated for an oscar at like 11 for, oh yeah, yeah you yeah, know yeah, what i mean yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. she's seasoned she knows what she's doing right but for the rest of us it's like i think a little bit older is usually a, a little bit better okay so so you've got the facial hair thing covered yeah magnum so what is the what is the, what is, in your mind what do you think the magnum movie is is it is it it does it just sort of pick up where the is it just like within the life of the series it's just just another magnum tale or has he retired or like what's the well, I think it's like well the story was that he was 
in the original Magnum, I don't know if people know this, but he was a Navy SEAL. Because, like, the Navy SEALs came about, the frogmen came right. about, like, in Vietnam. Right. So he was, like, a guy that came home from Vietnam, what didn't really qualify for jobs, you know, like, whatever. You know, it's like you're going to be a cop, you're going to be a security guard, what are you going to do? Wound up getting this gig working for basically, like, what we would think of as the equivalent of, of like, a Stephen King. Right. Or, like, the most popular author in the world who lived in Hawaii on this huge estate, and he worked security for this guy. But then because he was there and he was a guy who could handle himself, people on the island then found out, oh, if you've got trouble, you go to that guy. <laughs> and so he wound up getting all these kind of side quests from his, you know, boring everyday job of guarding Higgins. Now and driving his Ferraris around, which was a cool perk. Maybe hmm. I wonder And he had some buddies from the service. So like the buddies he fought overseas with the helicopter guy. Yeah, and then the other dude who owned yeah. the bar. So right. you got to do with the bar, a do with a helicopter. You got the Ferraris, like the fleet of Ferraris. <laughs> like, let's go. Like well, we're going to clean this place up. I think Hawaii. Now, do you Now I wonder, are, are you Thomas Magnum or do you think Magnum is a designation? Like is it like a Dread Pirate Roberts thing where Tom oh. Tom Selleck brings you in to be the like to be Magnum or do you think you're just Magnum? Well, it only works if his last name is Magnum, right? It's Thomas Magnum. But we still don't even know that that was his actual real name. Maybe it right? wasn't his actual... I mean, maybe it was, but I don't know. Maybe I mean, maybe we do know, so it's actually. Like, it's like some dude who worked overseas. He worked for the government. He was like a really, you know, some guy maybe in like the Navy's command, uh, you know, Naval Special Warfare Development Group. And he gets out, maybe works in the private sector. But he's like this dude who like... You know, doesn't want to carry the regular Sig Sauer, so he's got this three fifty seven Magnum that he's always got with him, and that was and people know him as like it's, you're it's the a, Magnum. It's a little dude. too you're coincidental that Magnum? his last name would be the the gun that he carries <laughs> Just around. Just come with me on my journey. Yeah, so maybe maybe that was it. It was like, oh, what's up? It's, yo, it's Magnum. Yeah, you know, it's, his, it's his last name could have been like. Lazinski or something. It opens up your world yeah. a lot. Yeah, man, I think you'd be I think you'd be a really great Magnum. But isn't it funny how the the uh, action hero guys from like the seventies and the eighties to yeah. now? Yeah. I mean, with like with like Conan the Barbarian aside, yeah. Like the action heroes of the eighties and the seventies weren't always like super ripped dudes. Like they were dudes who could get their asses kicked sometimes. Yeah. But now I feel like our action heroes need to be like unstoppable. <laughs> you know. Well, I think we know a lot about diet and nutrition now that we didn't before, but. <laughs> Back in the day, it was like you were either you were on roids or you weren't. Right. And there was a real line of demarcation between the two. <laughs> you know, it was like the dudes in the 80s were, you know, it was America, fuck yeah. You yeah. know, like, yeah. feel good. You know, 50 cal from the hip, bro. You know, like, <laughs> double bicep. Like, it was that. And, and I think that, but I think that was also, I'm, like, I mean, if you want to get into the whole psychological part of this, it, it, was, it was an answer to, like, like feminism, you know, there was feminism. Then it was like, well, guys, like we've got to like be the ultra super giant, huge version of a guy, right. like the craziest version of a guy. Right. And I think also like kind of the America coming out of, say, you know, the Vietnam era with all the protests, it was like, let's be proud again. Right. In the form of a giant roided monster <laughs> with a machine gun, like destroying <laughs> half the world, you know. It was like there was a lot going on, I think, socially. <laughs> like That was why wrestling took off in the 80s right. with those guys. It was like, you know, and I think a lot of kids thought, I can do that. 
Naturally. <laughs> I can become a gladiator. Naturally. Naturally. And you're like, well, you know, and, and I say naturally, like, I mean, and I don't want to pass judgment because, like, God forbid, like, if I was, you know, an Olympic athlete or a professional athlete or a professional bodybuilder, for sure I would have gone down that route. Sure. You know, I mean, if I'm going to compete, I want to win. Or right. I want a chance at winning. So, like, I'm not mad at, at all of that, you know. I'm just saying it's – there is a difference between – the Tom Selleck or Jeff Goldblum in the fly physique. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Versus, you know, Dolph Lundgren in Rocky IV. Or, right, right, right. You know, or Arnold, who's one of my best friends, like, you know, or, or Stallone, like, post-Rocky one. And it is possible, I know, because I talk to my trainer about it all the time, where we just sort of joke, like, you know... It, it, because th- there's that idea, and it's on all the men's health magazines, like, get rock-hard abs, get a six-pack. And it's like, yeah. you, okay, you can do that naturally, but but why? Like, what do you – like? To, and, you're, like you're asking me why? No, because well, I've never touched a steroid in my life. Right. So, no. But, I mean, I, I think I competed for, like, a – like, you know. I'm just saying, like, for, for most people who are just going to the gym, like, why yeah. do you need that – to feel, because like you should work out to feel good, like yeah. and as a byproduct, your body should look fine as a, as a byproduct of that. But it really should be about health and, and feeling good first. But to get those like shredded abs is a lot of fucking work, yeah. And it's so much, and it's it's mostly diet to get down to that as well. Yeah, I mean, as far as abs go, you could not do crunches and get abs if you were a college track runner, right? You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you're doing that, I mean, there's there's not. There's not so much that you can do to, to like rip your abs out. I mean, you can make them bigger with exercise. But what do you but think our cultural <clears throat> obsession with that is? Do you think it's just because people abs? think they need to see the result? Because uh, I feel like it's not a, it's not promoting fitness as a as as a feeling and a, and no, a health. I mean, guide. that stuff's like masochism. Yeah, but it's like, do you like? Being masochistic or not. I mean, I don't know. I like going to bed at night knowing that I did something to make myself better during the day. Right. Like, I just like that. Yeah. But, you know, with that said, would I be happy in a hammock somewhere with a stack of books? <laughs> like, 100%. <laughs> Come back and pick me up a year later. Right. You know, like, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Um, but, like, I think for me, I grew up watching those movies. I grew up reading those comic books. I grew up wanting somewhere in my mind to which is probably why I liked Dungeons and Dragons so much when I was a kid was that I could assume this avatar of that thing that I wanted I wanted to like speak through or act through you know I mean I think that's that's really you know like I just saw I just went to the Ready Player One premiere and and that's the whole concept behind that is like you can go somewhere and be somebody else right be somebody that you can't necessarily be in life but after that movie, I turned to me and my wife and I were talking about it. And it was like I, I just spent 20 years of my life trying to become the avatar in real life. <laughs> yeah. Do when you know I was what growing I mean? up, most D&D players couldn't actually be barbarians. <laughs> but that was like my goal was like to take this like skinny Coke bottle glasses kid and someday look in the mirror and see that thing. So so you could say, well, yeah, it's it's work and it's – you know, or I would say, oh, well, it's, it's partially masochism, but there's a goal. And, and, and in some way, it's like it's sculpting. It's sculpting. And then on an external level, but then on an internal level, it was like the drama school and, and the roles that I chose and some of the things that I've, I've pursued now were all to try to get into position to like, 
I had dinner with Steven Spielberg. Recently. What? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. And we were at this charity we just, event. Uh, we just picked that name up there. Yeah, That's yeah, a good sorry. one. I, I That's a good one. But we were we were talking, um, and, and 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 one of the things I just you know I said after a few minutes of kind of feeling it out, feeling the situation, yeah. I just was like, look, you know, I got into the business that I'm in and became an actor because of Indiana Jones. Like that was why, and it and it wasn't that I wanted to be an actor who played that character. Like I wanted to be that guy. You know, I wanted to be Indiana Jones. And there's something about that that you know, being able to be lost in that, those roles or those parts. Like you get to actually go out and be that, which to me was as that kid who was kind of bored with reality. You know, I, I, I built myself into something that could maybe be that. Did that, he have an character. answer to that? He just was like, oh, that's amazing. Oh, that's so great. He goes, you would have loved it yesterday. We were in a room with me and Harrison and all the writers, and we were trying to crack the next story. And you're like, yeah, I would have loved that. As and I went, of fact. oh, God. <laughs> you know, but, and I'm, I hope I'm not, like, speaking out of school, but he said, um, you know, the real challenge is, and I think this is, well, this will, this will come out as a compliment, but, you know, he was saying the real challenge with it is that, you know, he made Indy back in, what was Indy 1, 81? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Raiders was 81. Think of everything that came after that that was derivative of it. Oh, of course. Everything. Every, every video game. Yes. There were all these TV shows like Tales of the Golden Monkey and all of these. National cra- Treasure. Yes. I mean, it goes on and on. I mean, you look at like the Uncharted franchise, which is a complete homage to Indiana Jones. and I mean, you just go on and on and on and on. Anytime somebody's looking for treasure... <laughs> like, you're kind of you know it's romancing it's, the it's stone driven. yeah exactly so um so he's his he was saying that like the trick is however many years later coming up with something that isn't derivative of all the things that were derivative of the thing that i made that's exactly right that's and, exactly right and i thought jeez you know that that is tough mm-hmm well, we talked about that with when you know when Jonah started working on Mystery Science Theater. Mm-hmm. That was part of the thing too. Was so many things were derivative of MST that going back, like a young generation might go, "I've already seen that with that." Like, yeah, but this is this is the thing that made that thing. This is yeah. the thing that it is derived from. So it is. It is. I guess that is sort of a more of a blessing than a curse, but also I guess more of a challenge. Like a challenge. Yeah. How do you? How do you sort of? How do you make? Magnum PI accessible to the modern. <laughs> I don't know. No, I, Magnum <laughs> PI has to go find the Shankara stones. Yeah, so, well, do you remember the Magnum PI episode? There were two actually. Well, there was one where do you remember the Treading Water episode? No, oh, it was a brilliant episode of television. It was Magnum treading water, trying to break this, his personal record for treading water. As his, we went into flashbacks of his life and th- like things that led up to. Or all had to do with like. I'm gonna watch it tonight. It was like a really like amazing like setup. Like to me, that's like that's like one of those crown jewels of TV, like that 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 treading water episode. But do you remember the Magnum PI episode where there was a sea monster at the end? Kind he waited of, to the end of the credits, like a sea monster, like raised its head out of the water. And what was that about? I don't know. Did like, they ever reference it again? But it was like no, and I don't remember any other episodes getting supernatural. So it was just one, maybe it was just one little wink to the audience. You know, now that you're saying this, I guess I, I feel like I did watch a lot of Magnum, but there were a lot of episodes of Magnum P.I. Oh, yeah. But, but you know, when you go back, it's weird because it's like, oh, there were, there were only three seasons of those old shows. Right. But they would like, 
shoot 63 episodes. Oh, it was in, like, it was, like, it was always in production. It's like a sweatshop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Things have changed a lot now, but yeah, because I've been watching a lot of um, the first season of Incredible Hulk, um, which is, which I really do love. I mean, again, it is the saddest superhero show that was ever shot, but uh, yeah, but I, there's something about that melancholy about that. This, but, well, but it's, that, the, but, it's a Greek hero's journey. He's like he he yeah. can't he's he he can't ever settle. He's he's on a quest for something greater than himself, and you know he's and it, it's so sad and so I I mean as hokey as a lot of the '70s shit is in it, it's pretty great. Yeah, but I love going back to the '70s, and I reference the '70s stuff constantly. Like when I'm out pitching or talking about projects, like. You know, like the like kung fu. Mm-hmm. You know, the wandering hero. Yeah, and 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 I and I talk about uh, the old Incredible Hulk episodes a lot. Um, have you read like the, the Witcher novels? No, you, you might like them. They're uh, these Polish fantasy novels about this kind of like this wandering, this wandering guy who's um, he wanders from town to town and village to village, freeing them of the the, the evil reign of like a monster or a curse. Or he breaks spells, and it's it's written. It was Polish, so it's it has this like Eastern European sort of like fables oh, cool. sort of feel to it. But it's that same thing. It's the wandering hero. You know, it's this guy who wanders from town to town. There's an overarching uh, storyline, but then he moves from town to town, kind of breaking like these little short stories in between. Yeah, because well, I guess, and I guess that's <clears throat> which we can do now in TV with long form narrative. Oh yeah, because. You know, the effects are so good now that we can do a long-form storytelling where, like, we couldn't necessarily do that before. It had to be a movie. Right. In order to get those effects and get them, you know, the budget. So do you think the Magnum thing is a movie or do you think it's like a limited-run series? Well, I think CBS is doing it, aren't they? They're doing another Magnum now. They are? Yeah. Now, like, is it, oh, is it happening now? I think so. <sighs> I think. Wait, maybe you're right. This sounds familiar all of a sudden. Dreams. Is it on? So they're casting it now. Yeah, I mean, that's February 2018, so they can't be fun. But it's Shit, not to if, say that Michael Bay wouldn't want to do this with us. Joe, wait. Yes. If Maybe this weekend we just shoot it. <laughs> shoot the movie and put it out next weekend to scoop them on that. Could they, I guess legally they could stop us, but I don't. Um, I, I'm totally into it, uh, but but I, but I'm gonna have to push my D and D group back by a couple hours. What if you're like, oh, I can't do that. I I really have a co- <laughs> I have my regular game. You know, that's the problem with being in a D and D group is that you're in a band, yeah. and you have a very strong commitment to that band because yep. if one person doesn't show up, it's you, everyone throws gets, everything off, everyone and then gets, that guy gets to level up, but he didn't really have to contribute. Right? And it just, it's it, not it, fair. It turns into a mess. It's just not fair. Yeah. And do you ever do you still think about the the uh, Macho Man Randy Savage movie that we talked about? years ago like every day bro (laughs) every day no i i follow many old school wrestling uh instagram sites that send you like you know pics of the wrestling pics of the 80s or like the federation years and and uh and i'm always liking like every single macho man i'm a sucker and i watch every single interview god and i can't believe no one I, there must be some kind of a Macho Man script out there somewhere. Somebody? Or some type of... With the popularity of Andre the Giants getting a documentary over at HBO. That, that, I mean, 
it's just wrestling is so much a part of our culture now that I, I just find it hard to believe that someone isn't trying to – maybe it's just because of the IP that's involved or maybe it's tricky yeah. of finding the person to do it in the right way. Yeah, but I'll tell you what though. A few years ago, I actually pitched a wrestling series about 1983. Um, there was in the Oklahoma Territory back when it was broken into territories before the New York Territory led by – Vince McMahon, mm-hmm. well, Vince McMahon Sr. took over and started poaching all the talent and crushed all the, the competition. There was this amazing story about these this family, this wrestling family in Oklahoma, and I loved this script. It was brilliant. And me and uh, John Watts, who uh, directed Spider the yep. new Spider-Man, um, we took it out. He was going to direct. I was going to play the lead. Like We had a great showrunner, uh, this guy from Burn Notice, um, Alfredo Barrios. He came over. He was going to run the show for us, and, and we had these great scripts, and, and, and everyone was scared of wrestling. Or it was super polarizing where you'd have somebody in the room at some giant you know cable network who was like, I love this. This is incredible. And then the person next to them saying, wrestling's too base for our audience, and it's not. What? I'm telling you, it was it was brutal. And... What you should of, at least be smart enough to recognize what a phenomenon it is and a community. Absolutely, and we were, and I, and I know enough of those wrestlers from working with all those guys over the years and hanging out with them and going. I went on tour with like Raw for like a minute, like you know, like I know all those guys, and they were all of them said to me separately, like we'll tell you where all the bodies are buried, <gasps> like we will tell you everything that went on. Like, which is like murder. I mean, it's like mafia level murder and shit that went on in some of these, some of these, some of these, like, especially like the old territories back in the day. Um, and, and we had this great rich world, but nobody wanted to do it. And then, um, I guess, you know, on the, the heels of Orange is the New Black, like they bought Netflix bought Glow. And then there were like three other wrestling projects, like two years later, like two years after we pitched and everyone said no. Right. Um, there were like three projects that got bought, but they've never been set up. Shit. So it was like a weird thing where it was like we were we were ahead. Sometimes you're ahead. Sometimes you you have that gut feeling. You know this is going to work, but we were ahead of the curve. But hmm. it's not to say that it couldn't happen now, though. Well, but it's kind of. A, I don't think it's. I, I, listen, I think it's a great idea. You know, and then maybe I just happen to have a, a pod deal at a network where I could uh, take take it out with you somewhere. Maybe I just might happen to have that. Go on. <laughs> I'm dead serious. I, I've, you know, we I have a. I have a deal with AMC Studios, and so we can sell shows to AMC and any of the AMC. I've networks. heard of them. And if they don't, and if but if they pass on it, we can sell them anywhere. But we've sold like ten shows, and so it. Like it, you, it, I feel like we should have this conversation. We should okay. have this conversation. Okay, when you know, when we're like a- after the podcast, so people don't have to listen to us drone on about it. But I, yeah. but I'm, de- but I definitely think that there's something there because it's just so identifiable. Uh, and that, and that period of that period yes. of time, and that you know, as long as as long as there is an IP that gets in the way, that that you know, like if I don't, I don't know if you would have WWE involved or if it if, if they're fictitious. Um, Either way, I mean, I'm friends with all of them over there. You know, I mean, it just depends, and, and I think it just depends on how how real can you get with what went on, right? Because there were crazy stories. I mean, there was like a story of there was a God, there was a guy who ran one of the territories, and I think he was blind, and he had like a driver, mm-hmm. and uh, he like somebody backstabbed him. And he got in this car and had his driver drive him over to this house. He was blind, he, and he was going to go shoot 
can kill this wrestler for for like defecting and going to Holy another character. Shit. Like there's crazy stuff. There was like you know there was a plane crash where that had um, it was a private jet. It was after a show. There were like heels and baby faces, you know, bad guys and good guys mm-hmm. on the plane together, and it went down. And the one lone baby face, the good guy, um, broke his back, but. Um, they had to check him into a hospital under a different name, or he checked under—I think he checked under his real name so that people wouldn't know because mm-hmm. they knew him by his wrestling name. Checked in, broken back, um, and checked himself out and wrestled that following weekend. Oh my god! Because they were paranoid that people were going to find out that um, good guys and bad guys were on the same plane together, oh and they had to god. keep up the image that 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 kayfabe, which was. This is real, but now it's like the, they've people have evolved enough to know, like, well, that, but that's just part of it, and yeah. that's it, that it's a show, and that it's entertainment, and that but it's there's a still like there's so, yes, but there's still instances where like WrestleMania three, Hogan body slammed Andre, like the big classic pinnacle of like golden era WWF, and supposedly I think Hulk tore both biceps and tore a lat picking up Andre. Oh my god! And like had to keep wrestling, <laughs> you know, like wrestled the rest of that match, but then wrestled that following week. It was just with two torn biceps and a torn lat. Oh my it was god! Just like okay, maybe not so great on the body as you get older. <laughs> yeah, maybe not yeah. so. Maybe not so great. But there's the still a lot of those really you know crazy stories. Like if you watch the Brett the Hitman Hart documentary, there's a lot of like kind of it seems like there was there were theories about what went on when. Brett lost his title in front of the Canadian audience, and I'm just gonna do something. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a little recon. Anyway, I'm gonna do a little recon. The truth is out there, and just find out because maybe it might be the kind of thing where you know how sometimes networks can be where you go, oh well, you know they already did Glow, and that's sort of the wrestling show right now. Although I feel yeah. like that's different than what this is. Very, but, yeah, it's different. But uh, but you know it might be worth it might be worth um, just having a having a conversation. Savage, savage. Yeah, I mean I. I if you if you put on the the shades and the do rag and the you, oh. and you got a spray tan, Dude. you could pull it off for sure. You absolutely could pull it I off. I got the moves. You get me a wig. We color in my beard. <laughs> I've, just, I've met the man. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you something, Hardwick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People still ask me about that from when you were on the podcast years ago. Dude, it was like – that was like a big sensation. Like people come up to me all the time. Like somebody asked me yesterday. I was uh, like, you know, what do people recognize you most for? And it's like, well, you know, it depends on where I am. But like when I was thinking about it, I'm like, there's a lot of people that came up and talked to me about – About that, being that, savage. That, yeah, and about that particular uh, podcast with – am I allowed to mention – who you used to do of, podcasts with? Of course. Okay, I didn't know if there was. I didn't know what no. the situation was. No, it's all good. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. Everything's all good. Okay. Who? Who? Matt and Jonah were on that one. Yeah, they? we were on yeah. the old Nerdist podcast yeah. at, at Meltdown. Yeah, that's Upstairs right. Upstairs at Meltdown. R.I.P. Which, which is going away in a couple days from the recording of this podcast. Um, it's very, it's very strange. But, I, but I'm, I, I'm looking at another space to try to resurrect Nerd Melt so that there is a comedy stage. Yeah. Yeah. It's still like an experimental 
sort of, you know, nerd-themed comedy stage in Los Angeles. So I would say more to come on that tip, but I'm working on it. D&D tables? We could have D&D tables. Okay. That's what I loved about Meltdown is that, you know, there'd be D&D on one side and there's video games on another and podcasts upstairs and shows in the back. Like that whole little clubhouse feel was the best. It was the best, man. Are you working on any kind of D&D anything like entertainment-wise that you can so, talk about? So what's interesting is I've, I'm actually helping write Adventures. Oh man, that's uh, fantastic. I've I've been asked to to, to help um, write some adventures with them. So I've been back and forthing like mass. You know, like I just sent over like ten pages worth of stuff for that will most likely be included in an adventure that'll come out next year. Oh, that's crazy. which is crazy. It's amazing. So I've 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 been flying around and and kind of like I, I also was brought in um, a, about a month ago to meet up with. Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman, who wrote the Dragonlance novels mm-hmm. for anyone out there. And um, there's, you know, we were talking about plans for that world in the future. Fuck. And uh, this makes me so happy. I mean, you could, yeah. you could really help. You could really help a new generation of people discover that. I would love to, you know, we're doing my little. Um, uh, Kamakani Music Festival, mm-hmm. the ID10T Fest, we're yeah. doing in Orange County this year in November. And I feel like it'd be fun to basically just do like an hour long panel or two hours or something of just a D&D game. Uh, maybe, 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 we'll get, maybe I'll ask the Critical Role folks if they want yeah. to do it and have you sit in on it so people yeah. can just come watch like a live quick campaign. I think that'd be really fun. That'd be great. Well, you know, it's, it, it's, it's huge now. Like, and it's bigger than ever, D&D. And I think a lot of the younger generation is is going back to analog, whether that's records or you know actual vinyl or, right. or playing D and D rather than playing a video game. There's something about that that band element where you're all getting together and being social. Think of it as an IRL networked game. <laughs> <laughs> think of it as a think uh-huh. of it as an IRL LAN, mm-hmm. <laughs> where your local area network is another group of humans in front of you yeah. who are yeah. who are creating with the theater of the mind and a couple of little painted figurines. Exactly, it's 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 Warcraft except it's infinite. <laughs> yes, and and there are no literally there are zero limitations whatsoever and you're it's like you and your friends living inside of your favorite tv show i just have to break out of my pattern of i mean i love magic users i think i'll Uh, always play magic users but i always play these lawful good characters that i love following rules uh and so like but i feel like i should start playing against type to my personality like i should play Maybe a chaotic character, maybe a more neutral character or something. I don't know, but like, but like, I'll always play magic. Like a users. psychotic murder hobo. Maybe <laughs> a, a murder, a wizard hobo, a, mur- a murderous. <laughs> I've started playing a lot of uh, magic users lately. Um, I just I like the spells. I think it's fun. Um, but like on Critical Role, I played a big like evil paladin who just completely fucked over Vox Machina. Oh, that's great. Well, because my wife, you know, my wife's been playing Skyrim for the last handful of months on oh, Switch, yeah. and. Um, and I was explaining to her when she started playing, like, oh, you know, you probably want to go to the College of Winterhold and become the Archmage. And she was like, no, no, I don't really want to be a magic user. I like hand-to-hand combat. And I was like, really? She goes, yeah, I just like bashing people in the face. But I like I like casting spells far away. I like, yeah. you know, like yeah. conjure up a couple thralls and have them, like, a couple, like, lightning thralls attack some fucking... Fireball! Yes! <laughs> <laughs> 
Magic missile. Like I, that's 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 my jam. But uh, you know, listen, that's what's great about it is everyone kind of gets what they want out of it. Yeah, I like I like tanking. I think I have a natural proclivity to like just kicking a door in and running in there and smashing things. So when I wind up playing a sorcerer, which I I do have a sorcerer that I play a lot. I have to remind myself that's not your job. That's somebody else's job. You have to let them go do it. Let them clear the path and you can cast. Yeah, but which works because a lot of times in my regular group, um, my trainer plays, who is the biggest fantasy nerd ever. I love it. Nerds ever. have evolved so much. And he's a CrossFit champion. Oh, he great. won the CrossFit Games over 45 um, two years ago. And he's 6'2", 240. Of I mean, he he looks like a barbarian, like in real life. Yep. And he's read every single fantasy novel in the history of fantasy novels. He can bring up like the deepest cut you can find. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, that was uh, yeah, that was all right. This this one was better. And that's that's great. It's, it's just, great. It's so you know the the proto nerds that I remember. We just didn't. We weren't that way. We weren't like that. It was so compartmentalized and segmented. And it was so binary in the sense of like you are either fully a nerd or you are fully not a nerd. Breakfast you Club, are a jock, exactly. Breakfast yeah. Club was not that, but it, but that's how the eighties were. It was Breakfast Club. It was you were this or you were that. You know, we had record stores with yeah. sections, and you didn't get caught in the punk section unless you had you know a safety pin like through a your nose. No, no, yeah, like you know, you got funny looks if you're in that section. Um, you know, like there was bookstores, like, you know, everything was sectioned. Out. I love that it's evolved to that. Everyone is everything. I really do love that now. I yeah. mean, that, that makes me so happy because I feel like it, it just, it mixes up the soup a bit more. And, you know, like for instance, if you are into a bunch of unique stuff and someone, you know, like someone else who's maybe not into fitness or all that stuff, but really like you guys come together on D&D, but then maybe that person says, hey, what can you tell me about fitness? And then you say, hey, what can you tell me about whatever thing you're into? Right. And then that's where you start sort of getting that interdisciplinary connection where, you know, people really are sharing. It's not just an echo chamber of everyone likes only this no, stuff. No, and it never was like that, you know? And I think that if you like, I mean, in my core, like the core of my being is an artist. So I grew up like whatever was artistic and weird and cool. I'm into like you have a gateway to weird and cool. Like, like tell me, where do you, where did you get that book? Where did you get that weird thing? That weird t-shirt, that weird giant grizzly bear skeleton <laughs> in your living room. Guilty. Like, <laughs> it's a cave bear. It's 40,000 you know, years old. But I just, I, I pursued that stuff and you know, that wound up leading me into fantasy, which then, but you know, aside from that, I, I just wound up being an artist, but it's, it's everybody's Venn diagram back to, Vin. <laughs> back, back, back to Vin. The name Groot. Uh, you know, it, it intersects somewhere, you know, and I and 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 I, although I think that that's it's great, and I think the message of the Breakfast Club is great. I, in a way, as an actor, I yearn for the '80s when everyone stayed in their lane, because I think this idea that everybody is everything has destroyed the movie star. Oh, what a crazy, cool, interesting take on that. That never occurred to me before. Before you used to know what you were going to get when you went to go see a, I mean, a Tom Cruise movie. I mean, I right. guess, I guess we still know what we're going to get, you know? Right. But, like, you knew, like, an Arnold movie. It was going to have cutting-edge special effects, like the cutting-edge special effects. Right. It was going to have X, Y, Z, and I love that. And then, boy, we're going to get Kindergarten Cop or Twins, which also, I love that, to me too. before. But as soon as you start mixing up the genre or you take the music store away 
and everything's just available and it's all just a mashed up playlist, all of a sudden it's like, I don't know what I'm getting. Right. And I'm not sure what, nobody's sure what they're going to get out of whoever. So it's, in, and I think, you know, there's indie and there's giant. And there's only so many giants you can do before you go crazy and have to do an indie to keep yourself sane if you're, you know, if you're an artist. Movie-wise, right. Yeah, movie-wise. Just for people to think you mean Indiana Jones. No, no, no. Yes, indie, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, so movie-wise. So I think in in terms of that, like, you know, you wind up – it's either no box office or a ton of box office. And so you wind up losing that that kind of that that, that credibility or at least people saying I trust and understand what is going to be presented when this star does a movie. Right. And that's gone now. I mean, the only one who's really doing it is The Rock, which is, I guess, apropos to me being here because we're advertising. (laughs) Rampage. Rampage. Yeah. But, you know, he's like the, you know, maybe the only real movie star that like, you know what you're going to get when he, when he steps out. Right. And, and that's, I think people like that and they, they know what that is and therefore, He's the only movie store going right now, I think. And he, it's also he also just happens to be like funny and good at comedy and yeah. can do a lot of different stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that that the the lack of sections has kind of led to just kind of a mishmash of of stuff. What else are you working on that you're excited about at the moment? Uh. Well, you mean what can I talk about? Or yeah. What What, what is what, the studio set? I can what, talk what about. What can you What can you hint around? Hmm. Uh, any Deathstroke stuff or anything? Yeah, I knew where that's where we were. <laughs> I'm just saying uh, you don't have to. And I actually reached out to the studio and was like, what can I talk about and what can I talk about? And what came back was, I can actually read you the response. Let's see the response. Let's read the response. Let's just go straight to... No one could get... They the couldn't response. get mad at you for reading what they exactly told you to say. Exactly. There's nothing, so wrong, there's nothing wrong with that. Take a look. It is... Okay, great. I'm ready. Cool shout out to Joe's Sub Pop uh, phone case, by the way. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, uh, Terminal C at uh, Seattle SeaTac Airport. No, of course, of course. Yeah. that's in SeaTac. I do, and it's the only uh, Sub Pop store. And I, I do a lot of work with Dungeons and Dragons now, mm-hmm. like you know, consulting. Yeah, I'm a consultant for Dungeons and Dragons. I love this. Absolutely. Uh, and so I, I fly in and out of Seattle whenever I have extra time. I always go to the the. That's great. Store and just load up on old Nirvana and maybe consultants is a memory. Maybe Bard or (laughs) (laughs) Minstrel. Minstrel, maybe I don't know. Okay, Uh, here it is. Here is what I'm allowed to say about Deathstroke. I am excited to not only be a part of the DC universe, but to also be included in the creative vision of Deathstroke. I've always been a fan of the character and can't wait for more of him on the big screen. I mean, you know, listen, uh, comic book websites, just attach your spoiler warnings now because <laughs> yeah. that is... Try to spin that one in a click. That is loaded <laughs> with information about the upcoming Deathstroke. I mean, it's, it's all right there. Well, I don't know what more you would need. I mean, geez, stop bothering me, people. <laughs> I, said, I said it all. Okay. I, mean, I don't even know. Listen, I don't want to. I'm. I'm sorry to say this, but I don't even know why anyone needs to see the movie now. That's a whole. That just lays everything out. There I mean, it it's is. all right there. Yeah, someone will <laughs> pull blood, <laughs> out, squeeze pull blood something. out of that stone. I mean, your I'm life sure. is basically a fantasy novel at this point. Like a like a like a like a Fabio cover novel. I, I mean, like like, like, a, like, a, like a TSR. Oh, like, like, yeah. like a fantasy. I mean, you know, it's like you. Yeah. you, you you have you have this amazing career and this amazing spouse and this amazing uh, uh, rich world that you're so deep into all of the things that you love, 
And, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe some people could take some advice from you on how you realized all of these amazing dreams. I mean, I'm going to, I also want to maybe credit, and I don't know how much you talk about it publicly, but sobriety is a thing, which I think has been very probably yeah. helpful. Yeah. And, and, um, yeah, absolutely. I, I wouldn't have anything in my life today if it wasn't for that. Right. I mean, that just, it just wasn't going to happen. You know, I was firmly planted in my own way mm-hmm. and needed to get out of the way. And that's, and also like, I just have all this time in the day and I have all this extra energy that I don't know where to put, that I have to put into things. And, and I think the other thing is like, you know, when you're drunk and there's a whole group of drunk people and you're having a great time and the next morning you wake up and you're like, oh my God, that was the greatest night of my life. That was hilarious. That was incredible. Now, if you could like, you know, Charles Dickens, Ghost of Christmas, past like go and be sober like <laughs> looking through like, the what a bunch of assholes this is the lamest <laughs> dumbest conversation ever this is so boring it's insane so then you get sober and you're like man like i was afraid that reality would be boring or that i wouldn't have like if i'm not swinging from the chandelier it's not going to be fun but then it becomes a challenge when you first get sober of like, what do I like to do? What do I honestly like to do? What do I honestly think is funny? Well, and even the deeper question is, who am I? Yes, completely. And a lot of it, to me, I'm more like I was when I was in my early teens mm-hmm. as an adult than I was during like the decade or so where I was a maniac. Right. And and not to say that there aren't hints of that in there, but... Of maniac. Uh, <laughs> just ask my wife; she'll tell you. <laughs> uh, no, but but you know, I, so I think there's a bridge back to that. And and when I think back to the times I was really happiest or fulfilled doing work, it was like I was I became such a great test taker at school, so I didn't have to do my homework. Why? So that I could build out my next adventure for that weekend <laughs> to to DM or to game master, you know. And so, well, how can I do that as an adult? Like, how can I do that as a job? How can I go to bed and wake up in the morning and just bounce out of bed? Like, because I just want to go create more in this sandbox that I get to play in. So for me, it's been about trying to track down or self-generate those types of projects so that I can play in that sandbox. And and that sounds like you're asking good questions there, which provide good answers. And and it's not to say like, listen, you know, if you if you go out with your friends and you you know you have a few drinks and you're laughing, it's not that that isn't fun. But if you're doing it all the time and that essentially becomes your job and your lifestyle, it's more about how. Those experiences when you're super drunk might seem fun because you're super drunk, but they're just not real. Like it's all it's no. all it's enhancement fluid that isn't yeah. that doesn't provide a real and any kind of real thing to grab onto. Yeah. And you will constantly try to pursue a greater and greater level of that high yeah. Yeah. until you, your life you're just hanging over an abyss because you you you've been reaching so hard for this thing. Yes. Rather than having real experiences and actually and actually growing as a as an emotional human being. Sure, it's like you know I, my, the philosophy. Like all the paradigms of my life changed. Like in getting sober. Like you know I started acting because like I didn't really want to be me. You know, I, so I get to wear a mask and be somebody else. Right. And then when I wasn't on stage, I never really drank and got drunk when I was on stage. Like I just I had too much respect mm-hmm. for it that way. 
And I also got drunk and, and did Merchant of Venice, a show of Merchant of Venice <laughs> once. And it was like, this is a nightmare. Because there is some little blue-haired lady who knows every, words to mer- every word to Merchant of Venice. And, and I need to be on point. And it was like, that show was so stressful that it was... And I also had to ride a motorcycle across this warehouse stage oh, in the Jesus. show. It was like a postmodern. I was like, you know, you're an idiot. Like, don't ever do that again. Like, I had too much respect. But what I was saying is that, like, when I was acting, I had a mask on. And then when I wasn't, I was at the bar. Mm-hmm. So I never really had to deal with me. And for whatever reason, like, I don't know why I was running from that so much. You know, I guess I just, there was a lot of judgment put on that. And so when I got sober, my work as an artist became about telling the truth rather than being a charlatan. That's a great point. And so there were, but there was this wasteland of truth that I had to walk across in order to get to good work on the other side of, of sobriety. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, knowing that there were, like, some of the greatest performances of, of my life and my favorite performances and then bumping into those people and finding out that they were sober and really sober when they did the craziest thing I've ever seen on film. Mm-hmm. That helped me understand that there was going to be this oasis at the other end of the desert. Like, I was, was going to get somewhere eventually. I just had to walk through this weird shift where... I had to learn what the truth was. I had to figure out who I was. I had to drop the mask and I just had to be honest, like in every moment. And that's really tricky and, 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 and raw. And I've gotten to the place now where I'm comfortable putting on the mask again, but telling truth through a mask. Right. So, you know, when something came around, like, you know, when I met with Ben Affleck about Batman um, and, and he told me that. The, the meeting we were having was for Deathstroke. I, oh, wow, okay, this is, I mean, well, there's a literal mask also. Right, but, but, right, but, but, right. But, but this is a real opportunity to figure out who this guy is on the inside, like what he's battling with. Because, you know, the best quote unquote, I hate calling them this, but, you know, I, I don't mind. But, you know, calling them a villain is, is, is understanding where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. You know, they're a villain to the people who are opposing them. But from the inside, this is a person who's struggling with all types of things. And, and, and I think it's really interesting to tell that kind of a story and tell the truth emotionally of a, of a story like that um, when you're talking about a man who, you know, lost an eye, was betrayed, lost a son, you know, these different types of aspects. And, and then you couple that with real world military training. And then I started training at like a ninjutsu dojo mm-hmm. and started learning sword fighting and started learning and understanding where those techniques come from. And all of a sudden this thing starts writing itself. And, um, and now I'm, what I love doing is in, in an instance like that, I'm able to, because I'm at the, at the ground level, I'm able to go back and pitch all of my work. So I'm pitching them. This is where I think he comes from. This is where I think he's going. This is the military background. These are some articles that I pulled for you. I also interviewed these people over here. The ninjutsu school, there are scrolls that are written that have these ancient techniques that are not shared with students they're locked away because somebody's going to go into a bar and rip someone's head off using one of these techniques what are those techniques where are they could there theoretically be somebody that would go around and learn these insanely offensive techniques mm-hmm. and become this this like incredible killer but like I'm, I'm i'm rooting it in the world and rooting it in something honest so it feels real and then we're talking about the emotional content and you know so Somewhere along that way, I know that it was announced where, you know, the the studio, um, there was talks with, you know, Gareth Evans and, and, and talks about an origin movie. I'm not, I'm not giving news. This was in the, right. 
you know, but, um, you know, I, I spent six months prior to all of those phone calls writing um, a backstory that was turned into 16 pages, which was turned into, which I turned into a treatment, which then led to my Skype call with Gareth. Oh, that's great. So it's, but it's like, I get to play in that sandbox now, like as an adult, I get to go back to what I did as a kid with like tabletop role-playing games before I knew that was a job. There was something in me that was attracted to that type of gaming, that type of world building, that type of storytelling, that type of character development before I knew, oh, wait, I can do this for a living. Now that I'm an adult and I'm in the position that I'm in, it's like all I want to do is go find that next sandbox to play in and dig something out. So, yeah, it was like meeting with Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman for Dragonlance. Like, I want to pull that thing open, you know, writing stuff with Dungeons and Dragons, writing adventures, co-writing, helping them co-write adventures for for the next books. It's what I'm all about. And and then as a hobby on the weekends, you know, I get to go play the games with my friends who are, you know, all actors and SNL people and, you know, directors. And, you know, so it's, it's just we all get together and just make stories in our free time for fun. Well, and, you know. So a couple a couple things in there, which number one, this is a little bit of a counter argument to the you know it was great in the eighties when everyone was one thing. In reference to your villain thing, which I absolutely agree with, you know, in the eighties we had villains like you know Joss Ackland's character in Lethal Weapon, where it's just like you know diplomatic community. You know, yeah. it's like you, well, it was the, the Alan Rickman model. Yeah, like, the Alan Rickman. Model. If you're slightly Eastern European yes. or German, you're a villain. You're bad. You're a very bad person. Shoot, shoot. the glass. <laughs> Yippee motherfucker. My name is Clay. <laughs> Bill Clay. <laughs> Mr. Potter, you need to focus <laughs> totally. on your potions. You know, but but yeah. but this idea that, but this idea of what you're talking about about a villain, if you can make an audience ask the question well, fuck, if I was in that position. And it's like, I think that's why Killmonger was such a great villain in Black Panther. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't even say he was a villain. He was just a guy that got fucked over by his environment and the system that he was in. Yeah. And that's, that's how he expressed that. So you, can't, you, you watch that and you go, well, gosh, if I was in that situation, I can't say that I... I mean, like, that's a completely plausible path to have taken. Completely. And when it makes sense that way, now you have an immovable object and an unstoppable force and you understand where they're coming from. And now, okay, great. Like, let's, you know, and, and I think the go-to for me was always um, Ed Harris's character in The Rock. Mm-hmm. It's like he was backstabbed by the government. And so there was this, like, broken heart, basically, over um, this loss of patriotism and idealism that he had in the government that he worked for. And so now he was going to demand that reparations be made or he was going to blow up San Francisco. Absolutely. You know, and, but you understand, like, okay, I get it. I get it. He needs to be stocked. Because he's going to blow up half the. But ultimately, he just wants respect. Like he just wants to be taken care of, and he wants the memory. You know, and 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 I think like even um, you know Tommy Lee Jones is similar in uh, Under Siege. Mm-hmm. That was a great villain. But in the nineties, you, you it sort of it started shifting a little bit into and and you got those kind of. Um, you got villains uh, that that you could actually understand, right? Um, their motives. And I think like Gary Oldman, I mean, I'm so happy Gary Oldman just won that Oscar. Um, uh, you know, him as Beethoven, you know, or even him as Dracula. Mm-hmm. Like you got it. Like you kind of understood, like 
Kino, get out of here, man. Let her, let, <laughs> let him have her. You know, like <laughs> he's crossed oceans of time Come on, to man. be with her. Come on, man. Yeah. So, um, and and those are the ones I really responded to. Other than yeah. Darth Vader, who is just so ultimately badass. But even in the ending, you under you could understand that this was a tragic figure. Well, also there are certain villains that we are able to put that aside because there's some supernatural force at work or or, or, or some type of technological force at work. So, yeah. you know, obviously, Darth Vader gave in to the dark side, which was basically all those parts. Which I'm still not quite clear on how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on how you follow the, yeah. the stories. I think we could... Well, whatever. I don't want to say anything. But I, I think we could do that story. We could get in depth. You, you, you think... That. What do you mean? We could do it again. You want to do it again? Yeah. You want to get? Do you want to get Anakin to Vader? Yeah. In, in a different, in a different way. Kind of. How would you get Anakin to Vader? Wow, that's a long conversation. <laughs> but I think it's I could a podcast, man. But we listen, man. Time. I mean, if I was allowed to play in that sandbox, I bet you I could. I, I could. You know, I, I, I think there's. Even if you're looking at the prequels and you're holding them as canon, I still think there are places where you could insert a story about that. Well, the dark side is basically, ju- and you know what, just fucking whips around so beautifully to the sobriety talk. The dark side is essentially just giving into your ego. It's essentially letting your ego take over, right? Because it's all about power and it's all about control and it's all about, you know, going down that yeah. dark path. And, yeah. and, and control and operating on contr- fear. Yes, exactly. And all, the, and all of those are what, you know, like the, essentially... Undealt e- with childhood issues. Yes, it's, it's, all, it's all ego stuff and the ego is the path to, you know, to essentially uh, trying to light up your son with lightning shooting from your hands <laughs> while a creepy old guy watches. <laughs> <laughs> when you put it that way. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, light him up. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, uh, that's, that's how that happens. But, but I, you I, want this, don't you? <laughs> Take it. Strike me down. <laughs> oh, no. Was I being a bad boy? There like, is some like, amazing, amazing... Oh, so I got to hang out with Mark Hamill. Sorry, I didn't mean to digress, but, but um, I, was is, just, I was just about to go into, like, funny Star Wars deliveries of you know, lines. Like... Like Yoda, he's like, oh yeah. Like I forget what what is I forget the uh, the lead up line, but it's like, not ready for the burden, were you? <laughs> and then and then the response is, I'm sorry. Right, I remember. I mean, he, you know, the great thing about Mark <laughs> is that he is like a nerd's nerd. Oh man, I met him on the red carpet for this last Star Wars premiere, and I, I geeked out so hard. I just was. I, I mean, my wife was like, she kind of afterwards was like. You know, did you really, did you think you went a little hard? <laughs> you know, you went a little, like, but it was like, dude, it was like, when I was a kid, you were everything. You were everything. You were my entire life. You were entire, my whole neighborhood's entire life. Can I ask you an honest question? And be honest. Okay. Have you ever maybe bit allowed Sophia to go out in front of you first <laughs> So that people that you idolize see her and go, oh, my God, you're great. And they're like, hi, I'm her husband. Yeah, uh, that, that, that could work. That, that could, but, but, but like I have, to, I have to tell Steven Spielberg. Like I've got to talk to him about Indy. No, I know you I've do ultimately, but, yeah. have, but have you ever To, have you to ever kind allowed, of smooth it over yes, or just exactly. like, like a buffer? Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, so people are like, hey. And you're like, hey. Um, you know, I think about it because I think about – you know, there, there, there. You know, because people have to. People make those approaches to me. 
Right. You know, and and so I think about where they're coming from and what what that's like for them. And I think about like what I really enjoy. And then I just try to bring that to, you know, the person, you know, like if someone comes up to me and says, hey, man, like I really loved you in this. I thought this was great. I loved you on the Nerdist podcast. Like when are we making Savage? I know that's what they. All right, bro. High five. (laughs) You know, Um, when I get things like, bro, bro, my girl's going to kill me if I don't get a picture. Yeah. It's like, well. Your girl isn't here, and she's not going to be in the picture. <laughs> to be honest. The picture's going to be me and you, bro. <laughs> That's what's going in the frame. So, Bro, my girl would kill me if I didn't grab your balls. Bro, bro, can I just grab your balls? Bro, my girl would kill me. Bro, bro, can you bro. just teabag me right bro, now? My right girl here? would kill me if you didn't teabag my, my bridge, the bridge of my nose, bro. Bro, you come You kill me. Bro, yeah. uh, okay, but... Well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean... How do you sure know who I am? Bro, she would kill me. Bro, bro. she'd kill me, bro. I don't watch nothing, but bro. Do my girl to... would kill me if I didn't put my finger in your butt. Bro, that's all. Bro, bro. For my girl. Bro, bro. bro just for my girl, bro. Bro, come on, yeah. bro. Just, you know, like, I'm, I'm just, yeah. Uh, it, it, so it's, but it's always comes from, from, that, from that angle, um, which is like, you can just say that you like something I was in. It's cool. You yeah, know who I am. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, saw yeah. that thing. Yeah. Don't be shy. I yeah. was in that thing yeah. that you're embarrassed to talk well, about. Well, I think when people, like, the more... You know, uh, the the more and more people get a sense of this side of you, I think the more people are going to know, like, oh, Joe's cool. I can go up to him and just be honest and yeah, say, yeah, I just like, want to talk. Yeah, you know, I just want to talk about stuff. Or you know, if you think something was cool, like that's that's very. He flattering. might look like a guy who bullied me in grade school, but he's not that guy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny. He might look like Flash Thompson, but he's not. But Flash I'm, Thompson. I'm not Flash Thompson. I just play him. You in just a, in played a, in a, in him a movie. in one movie. Yeah, and and it's it's so like you know I think about that and I just think well just be honest and just tell somebody you really really love their work and it really meant something to you as an artist and and that's it you know and then we're out yeah and 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 and, and if you're honest and you're passionate like you know it's the old true romance thing it's like you know you think I was you think he thinks I was kissing his ass no nah, man you know I think you're being honest <laughs> you know or whatever Elvis says in the bathroom with Clarence you know. Uh, and so, um, you know, because otherwise it's like, bro, my, my, my girl's going to shit. You know, yeah. which is, it's like, okay, do you want to talk to me about your girlfriend shitting her pants? Like, she's got a problem, bro. Yeah. She's like, yeah. Bro, yeah. like, she better not have uh, white pants on when I get home with this. <laughs> and, she better have the plastic sheet on the couch when I get home, bro. Uh, it's like, no, man, just say you liked whatever. You know, it's cool. Well, I, I, also, I also think just sort of wrapping up that part of the conversation that for anyone who... Uh, is it feels like maybe they are interested in exploring sobriety, or or, or if oh, they yeah. are sober and they want to continue to 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 live that life. Think about it this way: you are predisposed if you have that in you to make a lot of things happen in your life that are positive because you have an unnatural ability to focus on things. Totally. And totally. So you can you can you can take that energy to and you should understand, try to understand why you're obsessive. But you know, you you can use that energy for good. Uh, Absolutely. Which I see it, which I do see a lot of people. Yeah, there are such positive applications for that, um, and not doing something till it hurts. You know, but like I can focus in a weird way. I. Um, um, there are like these weird sort of like X-Men powers if you can get on top of the whole sobriety thing. Right. And, and if you, you know, people think, oh, I'm never going to laugh again. It's like, I started doing like nothing but sitcom right after I got sober. I did sitcom for years. I think there's a natural like proclivity to being, um, uh, 
I think I think making these things that were not funny before funny. Right. You know, there's stuff that you can talk to with another sober person. Like your best LSD story is, I mean, that's that's comedy gold. But bring that up at the water cooler at work. Right. Not going to go over so well. Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe you shouldn't come over to my house. <laughs> maybe I don't want to introduce <laughs> you to my kids. You know, but there's, there's it's, it's things that weren't funny. Now they're funny. And I think that's at the heart of like most comedians. I think there's like a real, there's a dark side of inside course. of that. And, and I think there's, there's a want to laugh and, and there's a want to, like I said, like be honestly happy. And what does that mean? And honestly, find things that you honestly laugh at. Find shows you honestly love watching and why. And then, like I said, a lot of it goes back to the stuff I did when I was a kid. It's like I just want to do it as an adult with a budget. And I I am on the same train, and I highly recommend it. It's great. It's great <laughs> when you get to work around stuff that you love and, you, you know, you just have to, you know, sober person to sober person – are you know like when you achieve all this stuff are you good at you know like how do you keep it maintained and how do you not you know those times when you know you sort of get the the dark cloud that mm-hmm. forms from from this wonderful uh, dark gift that we have like how how, how do you uh, <laughs> how, you know how do you how do you clear that out or how do you how do you defocus on that well stuff? you know there was an there was an old there was an, an old timer who I met when I first got sober, who had Parkinson's really, really bad. And he would say things like, um, he'd say, you can either have Parkinson's with a bad attitude or Parkinson's with a good attitude. Right. And he would say things like, uh, I'm no longer surprised when somebody gets sober. I'm surprised when somebody newly sober gets a job. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would say things like, um, you know, people say to me all the time, you know, I got to get back to the basics. And I'd say to them, why the fuck did you leave the basics? <laughs> and and that I, I carry that with me because like, why, why would I leave the basics? Why would I leave something that works? Right. And to think that I am above footwork or, you know, look, man, you know, getting sober, you can't just, you know, the only way to coast is downhill. You know, it's like people say like, oh, can you just maintain in the gym now? It's like, well, you're either going backwards or you're going forwards. And if you're taking your foot off the gas pedal, you're going backwards. So do you want to grow or do you want to regress? Right. And so what are you doing to grow? And and so I have things that I do on a daily basis that, that I do, I have to do. Because if I don't do them as somebody who has that dark voice in his head... I will revert back down the 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 evolutionary chart. Sure, I, I, and it'll happen quickly. Within a couple of weeks, I'll I'll start getting crispy, and I get I get angry, I get weird, I wake up, I I see things from a really dark perspective. So you know, I wake up, I do TM. I've done I've, I've done transcendental meditation for the past fourteen years. Oh, that's great! Oh, you have to give me some. Jonah's been doing it, and he loves it. It, it changed my life. Fuck! It just cha- it changed everything, and. Um, and everything from like my personality, like anger that I was holding on to letting go of that to like when I'm editing a film I'm producing and I will oftentimes meditate and come out of it and understand what needs to be changed in the, in, in the assembly. So it's like weird. Like I get ideas, I get things like when I calm down and get quiet and it also helps me to control the mind, which when things happen, crazy things happen in life as they do, um, 
I can I can just deal with them in a really calm, rational manner. So there's that. There's uh, writing gratitude lists. A lot of times I wake up and I want to like burn down the planet. But I write a simple gratitude list. No matter how angry I am or how many things there are that are pissing me off, if I concentrate and focus on what I'm grateful for, you know, five minutes later, it's like it's a whole new world. And nothing changed. <laughs> but me in my yeah. brain. Yeah. Which, you know, my brain does need a brainwashing. Just every morning. You know, my wife gets up. She goes and makes her coffee. She's fine. She's totally normal. You know, somebody pisses her off or bothers her or does something to hurt her. She'll say, oh, that poor person. And I'm like, no, let's get in the car. Let's go over there. Let's burn that fucking guy's house down. I'm going to fucking drag him out in the street in front of his neighbors. You know, like, I'm like, no. You're ready to, you're ready to go. I'm going to kill like, him. Not gonna do and she's good. like, no, that poor person. And, and so, like, she's just well adjusted. You know, I'm, and I'm glad, I mean, for me personally, like, that's, that combination worked for me. You know, being with a quote-unquote normie. Right. The way that I am. Because it's it's the, you know, it's uh, as good as it gets, you know. Go so crazy somewhere else. Right. We're, we're all stocked up here. Right, right, right. Like, I'm crazy enough. I'm the crazy artist weird guy. And she's she offsets that that really well. Yeah, my wife's the same way. She's so she's so lucky that she just never drank. Or just yeah. never had any of that stuff. And never I'm like, occurred to her. Just didn't occur to her. She doesn't like it. You know, like, yeah. wow, that's amazing. You know? I had something that felt wrong from the time I was young. You know, I just felt there was something in me that was, like, weird or wrong or dark. And when I started drinking, it was like, I'm going to do this all day, every day. Numb. I mean, it was literally, I try to explain it to my wife. I'm like, it would be like having massive cluster, like headaches, like, like splitting headaches your whole life. And then at 16 years old, somebody hands you aspirin and says, try that. And I, like the first time in my life, I don't have headaches. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, why am I, why was I not taking this before? Why didn't somebody tell me about this before? I'm going to take this every day now. Right. But then about nine years later, <laughs> well, because it, then it moves from aspirin into like a lot of other things, extra strength, a leave <laughs> in quotation marks. Tylenol number two. <laughs> yeah. And uh, before you know it, it stops working. And then you, the amount, the, the amount of Tylenol you need to deal with that headache is astronomical and debilitating and you can't get back to zero. And stunting and it's limiting. And, and then you yeah. don't feel anything 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 and then you're just you're not like your your life is a mess and you're you're so far away from the man that you ever wanted to be dreamed of being the creative you ever wanted to be there's all these things in life you want to do that you're not getting down to doing and furthermore you just you haven't grown as a person since i mean you're yeah because it numbs those negative emotions but it literally numbs everything it puts on blinders and it numbs you to reality so you're not dealing with stuff you're not things are falling apart but you don't realize it or give a shit no, and uh, and it just uh, you're not you're not in control. Anymore. You're not at all. You're not at all. Yeah, um, that's all. I would love to. Do you have like a like a TM app or a book or something for people who are well so, asking for a friend? So I learned from a guy who studied from the Maharishi, and he came to LA, and I went and learned. And it's a four day like a four day seminar. You go for an orientation first day, and then they they take you in a back room. They close their eyes. And then they give you your mantra. Like it comes to them and they give you your mantra. And there's almost like a hundred mantras. And then for the next three days, you meditate in a group and talk about your experience and what's going on. Because it's it's interesting. Interesting things come to you and it's about 
kind of like recognizing those thoughts, these things that come into your mind and understanding kind of the principles and the philosophy of what it's doing. Um, so it's like a four day thing. So I learned from this guy and then I wound up bumping into David Lynch at like the Sirius XM office in New York a few years ago. And I was like, Hey, you know, I learned how to, you know, I, 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 I do TM and I learned from this guy and, and I named the guy and David Lynch was like, no, he's a charlatan. No, he is changing the Maharishi's teachings. No. And he, he turned to his, uh, his, his associate and said, give him our card. You're going to come learn from us. We're going to teach you the right way. I said, okay. Okay. All right. Great. 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 David Lynch, you know, uh, big fan. <laughs> um, also, what is the ending of lost highway about? Anyway, we'll get to that. Yeah, is it vertigo or is it not? And I had a panic attack at age five when I watched elephant man. Thanks for that. You know, no, uh, um, and, uh, no, I love David Lynch. And, uh, so, so I called him up and it was at the time I had just started dating this girl and I said, Oh, can I, can I bring my girlfriend to learn also? And they said, sure, bring her by. So they have, um, they have several locations. That girlfriend was Sophia, by the way. Oh, great, yeah. great, great. Uh, uh, but they have several locations in and around LA and they have locations elsewhere. And, um, if they can't help you, then they can help you figure out who can help you and where to get to and who can come to you because, I mean, every major city in the world, there's, there's, there's TM. So, um, don't learn from a charlatan, uh-huh. you know, contact the David Lynch, <laughs> call David Lynch, <laughs> call David Lynch, uh, check it out, you know, go online, um, and, uh, and give them a call and, and set that up. And they also give scholarships as well because it does, it does cost money to learn because somebody's teaching you something right. they're, you know, they're, they're, they're lending their time. All that money goes back into the foundation, which, um, just helps do good things. Around Great. The well, planet. hook a brother up. Yeah. Let's get you in there. All right, I'll do. I want to try it. I would love to try. It's amazing. It. I think it would help. It helps to quiet the chatter. People like us. People like us with a special, unique, dark gift that we have. <laughs> with the dark passenger. Yeah. <laughs> the dark passenger. Like Dexter. Oh my god, Dexter. Yeah. The dark. The dark I have a character in, in Dungeons and Dragons that actually found a, a dark passenger. Really? Yes. He attuned to this black orb that is, is now speaking into you know, to his brain. And is that ongoing, or did you make friends with the orb? Or no, it's ongoing, like- and it might be a storyline that's going to come up somewhere in a graphic novel that I'm writing or in, in a D&D adventure. Son of a bitch! In canon. Well, thank you for being a shining example of uh, what nerds can become <laughs> across every level. Uh, and uh, I just adore you, Joe Manganello. I'm so... Delighted that we became friends, yeah. and it is so wonderful to have you in my house. Thanks. And uh, and I just I give you all the hugs in the world. And anything else you want to plug besides Rampage, which is coming out? Uh, well, I have this film that I produced and 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 starred in and and did um, a lot of polishing. I don't know if you call it a co-write, mm-hmm. or, but it's I mean it's like a, it's a po- like a heavy pol like I rewrote you know wrote a lot of it and um, uh, that I shot this past fall. And I uh, I cast Sophia in it, and she's great, great and uh, some great actors. You um, made her audition, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> great. Well, we'll talk. We'll talk. We'll talk she's like, great. I'll do it. Whoa. Well, hang on a second. Slow down. You're going to meet with our casting associate. They'll put you on tape. Yeah. If we like it, you'll do a producer session. We're going to workshop this. Yeah. I've, you know, I've seen your work, but I'm not really sure. <laughs> I just need to make sure. Yeah. 
Um, and so uh, we're in editing for that. That'll come out at some point soon. And then we're um, looks like we're trying to close financing for like a John Hughes esque movie about 1987, the day that the Smiths broke up. Holy shit! Um, so if you know anybody out there who wants to jump in on this thing, we're we're getting ready to to, to close some financing, and and it's it's going to be it's amazing. We have a great cast put together. You know, one of my best friends, <laughs> April Richardson, comedian extraordinaire, has seen the Smiths or Morrissey. Hundreds of like literally planned her own comedy tour. There was very, it was it was very much like um, Hedvig and the Angry Inch style. Yeah. Like she yeah. planned her tour alongside his a couple years yeah. ago. And so why we, not? You you I, I just want to throw April into the into the mix on that because she knows more about that fucking. There are people that would give major body. You know, parts. Tom Lennon's a big Smiths guy too. Oh yeah, Tom and I are buddies. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm, He's I'm in a Smiths cover band. <laughs> All right. I know. Good. Yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but for now, yeah, Rampage, and then you know, um, you can go back and quote my DCEU quote. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we give a lot of information about Deathstroke, uh, um, but I also did talk about Deathstroke too. I guess I talked about kind of the creative process a little bit. Yeah, bit. it was enough. There's only so much you could say. Yeah. You know what? It's fine. People should be surprised anyway. Yeah, like that's part of the fun of going to see a movie. They want spoilers, but they don't want spoilers. I don't want to say anything, you know. And I will say this: every time I've always said, "Like, hey, man, I don't know what's happening next." What they print is like, "Poor Joe, <laughs> left out in the cold, clueless." Didn't you hear the tone of my voice? I was clearly being playful. Completely, I know yeah. everything. I've known everything. I know what's going on. Like, I just can't say any of it. All right. So, uh, and then go see Rampage. Is it April sixth? April 13th. Rampage is April 13th. Yeah. Joe is in Rampage. You should see that and support him across all platforms. Chris, I love you, man. I, I love miss you too, you. I miss you when I don't I, see you. I miss you too. Let's let's hang out. We, we went to dinner a, few, a couple few months, maybe almost a year ago now. Jeez. Like, we had to do that again. Yeah. We're just, adulthood sometimes just sneaks up on you. All of a sudden, it's another fucking year has gone by. You're going to join my D&D home game. I want to join your D&D home game okay. after my, uh, my, my zombie RPG that I do on Sundays <laughs> wraps up. And I, I will come do that for you. <laughs> all right, cool. Uh, all right, enjoy your burrito, everyone. ID10T scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito. This episode is brought to you by the effortlessly scrumptious bite of Skinny Pop Popcorn. Imagine this, perfectly popped, endlessly delicious kernels, a symphony of just three simple ingredients, popcorn, sunflower oil, and a sprinkle of salt. No compromise, just pure snacking freedom. And hey, if you're up for a twist, dive into flavors like zesty white cheddar to sweet and salty kettle. Every bite's a delight, light and oh so tasty. Shop Skinny Pop now.